Desio. Sanchez hit hard. Toad through. Gedia races on. Who's going to get the bounce? Gedia! Gedia gets the bounce. Gedia gets another five-pointer. G'day and welcome to the Green and Gold Rugby Show. You're listening either on the podcast or with Eon Sports National DAB Radio. If you like it, uh, we're over 200 of the Sucker's done now, so um, you can check out the archive and catch up. Um, we've also got another show called The Report Card, which is um, sort of this podcast but going commando. Um, it's uh, pretty rough and raw, and it comes out on the Sunday nights straight after the match. So you can look that one up as well. I'm your host, Matt Rowley. I'm keeping the mic warm this week for Rugby Reg, who is physically sick at the form of the uh, Queensland NRC teams. It's actually stricken him to bed, so... He- he couldn't actually make it this week, but we're going to soldier on. I've got joining me then uh, the you know podcast stalwarts here, Hugh Hugh Cavill. How are you, mate? I'm good, Matt. I'm good. Two the streak continues for the Wallabies. Two wins. I'm, yes. I'm giddy with excitement. I mean, what a what, what a great effort and um, doing it in some style out west. So let's hope it can continue. Yeah, well, indeed. And in fact, I think we got some um, stick on Twitter about people asking us if we stuck to our um, routines to keep it going. Um, so I know that I don't. I think Reg managed to stay out of the gold. He wasn't wearing the gold again because that's what he did last time we won. I think last time you hadn't watched the second half. Is that right? That's true. And I actually went one further this week, Matt, and didn't watch the first half either. <laughs> I um, I was I was attending a rival code, which will, will remain nameless. Oh. Um, all in the manner of my my professional obligations um, in my job, but. Uh, it uh, yeah so so didn't manage to catch any of the game and and uh, so the, I think the the uh, the hot start as well can be put down to me because yeah not not watching the first or the second half yeah so well you're never going to watch a game again Hugh <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just safely yeah I, I just have, we'll have to safely wait you know twelve to twenty four hours to to watch a replay I think well maybe maybe you doing both halves this week made up for me getting back on the Terps um, which I hadn't. Because I'd been off it the last week, so um, I'm quite happy with that superstition broken from my end. By the way, um, <laughs> also joining us tonight, we've let him out of the booth. Um, we've set him free for his second podcast cap. Bobus, Robert, mate, how are you? Yeah, very good, mate. The um, the oxygen levels were getting low in the booth, so good to be <laughs> out. Good to get another win on the board. It, it is indeed, mate. And this is you're off on holiday tomorrow, mate, aren't you? Off to Thailand, yeah. or something. Flying to flying to Thailand on the um, on the national carrier Jetstar, so that'll be beautiful tomorrow. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, that's what you know, that's what podcast producing pays these days. There's <laughs> <laughs> a note out there to all you aspiring podcast producers. Um, all right, look, before we get, we've got some absolutely cracking uh, questions uh, tonight. So, first of all, are the Wallabies in on an upward trajectory we actually got a fair bit of challenge last week um, talking about the Wallabies that it was positive and a lot of people challenged us so we're going to have to think harder this week um, about that uh, that's question one question two will be if Genia w- was ineligible who would have been man of the match question three is Quaid's talent worth the discipline problem that comes with him uh, question four who replaces Pocock now that he's got this busted hand in the back row and question five is who will be the next Wallaby Debutant. So that's what we're going to smash through. Before we do that, though, um, 
just we always love going and having a look at the iTunes reviews. A lot of people go in there, throw in um, a bit of good humor and uh, leave us a star rating as well. This one comes from Mickey DR. He's titled it The Nobody of Rugby Pods. Um, I, I'm not quite sure if he's being completely literal. I'm, I'm hoping it's reference there to John Eels. Great pod made even better with the addition of some new talent to the veteran squad. So there you go, guys. Um, you, you got, I mean, obviously, they're talking about the rugby report card um, that's joining us, uh, the young upstarts. You guys happy about being called veterans? Hugh? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm more than happy. I think I think we've reached that 231 podcast. And look, yeah, you you would hope uh, we would have gotten a little bit better in that time, but unfortunately, uh, not the case. But we're, we're still here. We're still punching away. Yeah, mate. Look, look, we're more about effort rather than quality here. Yeah, the um, Mark, the, Mark, the really, the Mark Chisholm's of the podcast world. Just <laughs> racking up those caps. <laughs> Indeed. All right. So look, let's get stuck in then, and uh, straight into number one. Are the Wallabies on an upward trajectory? Hugh, what do you reckon, mate? Oh look, they are. I mean, it was it was another good performance. I think just getting those results is um, is is the main thing, and and that confidence can only grow, especially as these guys, you know, very inexperienced guys like Haylett Petty and Hodge and Karevi and and uh, Coleman can get more more time under their belts, and 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 so I I think they've got to be the the pleasing aspect of the Argentina game for me was was just our ability to score points, and and. Funnily enough, it kind of re- reminded me a little bit of, of the England series in reverse where we seem to have the ball against England for, for 60, 70, 80% of the time but just not do anything with it, whereas England would, would have the ball five times and score five tries. Um, and it seemed like that was finally sort of flipped around for us and we barely had the ball against Argentina but what we did was ruthlessly efficient and um, you know managed to score a try almost every time we had a, had a decent scoring opportunity. So... Um, getting that clinical edge back was was a really pleasing thing to see after last week against South Africa, where we probably sh- should have scored, you know, five or six tries there, and we only scored two. So, um, yeah, look, look, pleasing upward trajectory. I wouldn't say we're we're near where we were last year, coming into the World Cup. We've still got a long way to go before I think we can seriously consider a tilt of the All Blacks. Um, but um, this this next game against South Africa in South Africa will be another another challenge and see if we can keep stepping up. Yeah, I mean that's going to be a, that's going to be a tough one for sure. Uh, Babis, what do you reckon, mate? Is it uh, is this enough for us to say things are on the up? Oh, they certainly are on the up. I don't think anyone could deny that. I mean, we weren't at rock bottom on that second All Black test, but we were close to it. And the wins against South Africa and Argentina—they're not givens. I mean, I know they were both at home, but these are decent teams that we're playing against, and. Um, both weeks could have been a lot more comfortable if we had executed properly, and um, I just think they were closer games than 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 what we actually showed in terms of our our rugby against both those teams. Yeah, well, look, I mean, you guys have both done the uh, green and gold rugby classic and uh, shot from the hip. I'm going to inject some cold hard fact now. Um, with oh, some that's, stats. That's, that's scary. Don't bring facts into this, please. Yeah, I know. I'm going to break a bit of a tradition. But look, just looking at the number of 
tries that we've shipped. So I think, Hugh, you were talking there especially about our attacking form and how much better it looked. Um, I agree. I think we've started to see that come back in the last couple of tests as the confidence has come back. And this is obviously clearly a confidence team. That's what what they play off. But if you just look at the number of tries that we've let in uh, since uh, last year, so, so, you know, or sorry, this year. So um, on average, it was 3.8, you know, leading up into these last two games. In the last two games, it's only been two. So we've pretty much almost halved that. Against the Poms, even, it was three. Um, and against the All Blacks, it was five. So, look, I, I, if you felt that it look, has looked like our defensive line has been better in the last couple of uh, weeks, the numbers would back you up. I, I get the feeling that, you know, whatever it was that we were doing last time, so whether it was structure or whether it was just individuals, you know, it's just it's looking a lot more solid. And, um, you know, the number of points that we were shipping, I think we we're averaging 33 or something like that only a couple of tests ago. Um, you can't do that in test matches. So, you know, together with the better attacking intent, I think uh, really importantly, uh, the defense is coming back into line as well. Well, I think that's two things, uh, you know, against Argentina. That, that came down to the first thing being our accuracy um, in defense and bringing that rush back. That was just the hallmark of our game last year. And having those guys in the third, fourth channel, um, Michael Hooper, Dean Mum, um, Sakopi Kepu, Stephen Moore, those guys rushing up and, and, try, and, and, and being incredibly accurate in, in hitting the ball carrier behind the game line and either forcing a, forcing a pass or an offload or, or taking them to ground. Um, it's, it, that went, disappeared against the All Blacks for some reason, but we've managed to sort of find that and really be aggressive in our defence. And the second thing is getting David Pocock over the ball more. That was, you know, he didn't actually, um, I think he had one turnover and obviously left the game after about half an hour. But in that first half an hour, he managed to get on the ball so often and and um, slow that ball, which allowed our defensive line to reset. And it's even just getting that spare one or two seconds makes such a difference in, in, in um, combating the Argentinian line, and, and they need that quick ball to, to survive and to create mismatches and to create holes, and we just weren't giving it to them. So I think that that was it. It's, it's, it was sort of the twofold thing, but it, it was really pleasing to see, and, and um, just, you know, there were, we'd still slipped off probably too many tackles in the end, but um, at least we sort of muscled up, and, and good to see them getting back in that abrasive defensive pattern. I actually, I actually think that last game against Argentina was the best defensive effort we've had since the uh, the Welsh game in the um, in the 2015 World Cup, where we were defending with 13 men. We ended yeah. up making more than 200 tackles that game as a team, and I know we missed 30 odd. We still tackled at about uh, more than an 80% clip. Um, in terms of tackles made one-on-one, and we were rushing out of the line a lot. So there's a lot of um, easy missed tackles. So you've got a lot of um, initial defenders kind of just either getting stepped and just getting a hand on the guy or not quite completing the tackle but slowing them down enough for the next people to come in. Yeah. No, I, yeah, I agree there. Um, yeah, it, it was a, obviously a very, very big step forward. I mean, I, your point there, Hugh, around, uh, you know, Pocock, and what was happening with him at the breakdown. This, for me, was one of the annoying things with Barnes on the night, uh, which led me to kind of 
I mean, I know we were discussing what the questions were this week, and I've kind of got myself into that headspace where I'm sort of thinking, is it true that every ref is against us? And clearly that can't be the case. It's got to be my headspace here or, I don't know, or maybe where the Wallabies are and how they've been playing. But I was holding Barnes up as the one guy that I thought, you know what, he's a great ref, um, keeps things very level uh, very level and very um, technical at the breakdown. But I thought that was one of the areas where, I mean, you know, Pocock just got flopped on all night. Um, and, the, and the thing that was, I thought, really poor about that was that Barnes didn't ref it the other way. So I don't know if you remember very early on, it was Stephen Moore who got penalised. I think it was one of the ones that generated three points, actually, um, where they were saying it was for, for us um, diving straight down on a defensive ruck rather than driving upwards. And then if you watch the, especially the Argentinian, Argentinian rock uh, shifter number five all night. He just dove on every rock and basically sandwiched Poe each time. So um, I felt really sorry for Poe because he, he put in a hell of a lot of work, um, but just wasn't drawing any of the results that you would expect with him. But look, um, sounds like a resounding yes. It's on the way up. For those people who asked us last week, I think just about any way, which way um, you measure it, no, it's not the All Blacks. And yes, everyone measures themselves against them, but you know we don't play them every uh, every week. You can only measure yourself with uh, who's sort of in front of us. And it looks like by most indicators, uh, things are on the way up. But that leads us to the next question, which was around... You know, who had barnstorming game? So we're, we're, we've had to rule uh, Genia out of this because he had just such a fantastic match. Um, sort of, you know, two tries, kicking was fantastic, defense was fantastic, his passing was on song. Um, you know, he was clearly the man of the match. I think, Bobus, you gave him nine points. But, mate, if you couldn't have given it to Will, to Will who would you have given it to? Uh, my next in line would have been McMahon. I just thought... He was a game-changer off the bench. He was brought on very early on in the second half instead of um, Pocock coming off after serving CEO's yellow card. They brought McMahon on, and just the immediate impact. He just he got in there, held a guy up, stripped the ball out, and then from then on he was just dominant in the contact. His his timing running into players, it's almost like a, it's, it's almost like a fend with the ball in two arms. He, he kind of just leans forward, bumps them, and then changes direction, and they they don't know what's they don't know what's. If you notice um, on the second getting a try, in the lead up to that, he gets a scrappy lineout ball, and um, carries it twenty meters with about six Argentinian guys just surrounding him, and he's just still going, pumping the legs, and they're not even holding him; they're just getting deflected by him. And I just thought mm. that that was an incredible run. Um, the other thing that I noticed with him is he was actually um, he actually was lifted in the lineout a fair few times, which um, gave us an extra option in the lineout, and that kind of helped us secure our own ball and shore the line up a little bit more, which has been improving the last few weeks. And um, there was some very strong tackles on defence. He would um, get his legs pumping underneath the player and moving him back a couple of metres each time in contact. Yeah. No, he's incredibly strong in contact. And that run you talked about, that, that second uh, Genia try up, uh, yeah, quite unbelievable how he managed to power through them and made a lot of impact. Um, you know, like you say, just from the bench. I think the other boys uh, in the rugby report card gave him a good, a good uh, write up as well. Um, Hugh, who would have you had if it wasn't Genia? Well, look. It was a it was an effort that was really driven by our defence and our physicality, and so 
the bloke for me that was the standout there was Adam Coleman. Um, and just being able to get up and, and play a role that I think Kane Douglas did actually at the World Cup and, and really lead our defensive line, get up and make those, those massive tackles. I think he got through 18 in just 60 minutes, which is, which is phenomenal. And, you know, he just has taken to test rugby like a duck to water. It's fantastic to see. And, um, you know, his ball carrying probably needs a little bit of work. He's okay around that. But um, also he, he helps her up that line out. And, and um, we saw a big improvement there again this week. So, um, yeah, Adam Coleman for me and my little bolter, because I think I know who you're going to say, Matt. Um, and this isn't him. Um, I really thought Dane Haylett-Petty, the other Western Force player, had a great game as well. Um, that, that try he scored, well, firstly, he, he set up um, he set up Karevi's first try with a lovely quick pass and then you know, ran a great line for that, for that, uh, for his, per- his try and then stepped off the left and, and, um, it was a really good finish for that try mm. and he made it look a lot easier than it was. And, and just a number of contributions that show, you know, we, we, he had a great England series and, and we sort of heralded him as a savior and then went right off the boil against the All Blacks and made some defensive errors, but seems to have, seems to have learned from that. And I think, you know, I think he's got class written all over him and, and he, he's found his feet again and continues to improve. Yeah, he uh, has the ability to make that step at high pace, which he did uh, for that try, didn't he? I think that's what um, was, you know, what, what finished it so well. The one thing about him was that we know he's got a good boot, but he seems to be getting caught with some of those clearances from the 22. There's a couple of times where he kind of hoofed it downfield to the middle of the field. It didn't actually go that far. It didn't really find any grass. Um, yeah, in the and first it, half, he, his, his two clearances went about 30 metres. In the second half, he was a lot better with the distance on his kick, but I don't know what was happening, but he just missed out on that one. Yeah, I mean, I think we we both know, we, well, we all know that he, that he can do better. Um, having said all that, it's not as if um, there's many people, well, apart, probably apart from Wilgenia, kicking better than him. Um, so, look, f- for my third then, um, it's going to be, and I'm quite staggered by this because there seems to be two um, sets of opinion running around here and and that is uh, Michael Hooper. So um, at the bottom of sort of my review um, that I wrote uh, finally um, on, uh, you know, on on Sunday, um, Sunday night, um, there was someone, George, who came in there and said, Hooper, awesome as usual, game high, 20 tackles, destroyed the, P- the Puma backline passing game with his rush defense, two line breaks, beautiful try assists, scored a five-pointer of his own and won two turnovers. I'll add on to that was that he actually had the most ruck involvements of any other uh, Wallaby as well. Um, had an absolutely, uh, you know, fantastic game, uh, I thought, and actually probably wasn't too far off um, Genia. But then in the, in the same comments, we had um, a whole bunch of guys basically say, you know, I, you know, I was watching Hooper yet again. He went side to side, to side made no impact. Um, was I watching a completely different match there, Hugh, or, or what? No, no, you weren't. I thought he had a great game. And, and you know, the little touches. I mean, you go and watch first that, that first Karevi try. Not only, you know, just... Dan Hallett Petty threw a lovely pass, but Hooper, just the way he held that ball up, um, sucked in the Argentinian defender and then offloaded was was beautiful. Um, I thought he had an incredible game, and again, just leading that defence and and um, being that one to rush up and make that you know make that tackle more often than not. I mean, and and the thing about him that always gets me is he's he does it in the 68th, 
the the seventy fourth, the the seventy eighth minute, as much as he does yeah. in the first and second. I mean, that motor is just so impressive. Um, it's uh, yeah, it's just fantastic. I've used the word fantastic probably too many times tonight. Um, but um, you know, and it wasn't an out and out fantastic Wallaby effort, but um, there was some great performances within it, and 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 you know, Genia. I mean, we we glossed over Genia like like too easily because that was an all time game from him. Um, you know, just the the passing, the intelligence that that try scoring ability he's, he's gotten back that that little bit of pace. Oh, it's it's like we've turned back the clock. The kicking game, it's all it's all there for him too. So yeah, good, yeah, oh, you know, a number of, of really good efforts. Yeah, it's amazing the way he's come back. I mean, he, remembering that only a few months ago he turned up here, was it fresh from a, an operation? Uh, so it wasn't like you know he didn't you know he was you know in form and playing quite a bit. So he's he's obviously played his way into that. Uh, Really, just kind of training, and and I guess through those tough outings um, we had in, in those two series. So, yeah, it's been really impressive to see what he's doing. And like you're saying, he looks as good as you've ever, you know ever seen. Um, there was that one piece where um, he, he also made that fantastic break, which unfortunately got spoiled with that chip kick. Remember when he, he kind of gets he kind of got barged out of the way. Um, but other than that, I mean, it, yeah, it. it it all looked fantastic, and it was great to see him back on form. And then you could suddenly—I mean, that's the difference, right? When, as good as Nick Phipps was, you could never say he was one of those best players in the world type players, right? He was—I think when he when he's on song, he's very, very good. But it'd be difficult, and I think a lot of people through other eyes would say even then there's a lot that's wrong. Um, uh, you know, with his passing maybe not being as accurate, he's never really had a kicking game and he doesn't have a running game like Will Genia. So even I'm admitting all those things. And so when you see Will back in that sort of form and you say, look, suddenly we've got somebody who can kind of mix it with like an Aaron Smith or someone like that, um, makes a massive difference to a test team. Um, so, yeah, he's I think he's making a massive, massive um, impact for the Wallabies there. Um, but the next question then kind of talks about his uh, partner in crime, should we say, uh, which is, um, is Quade Cooper. So the question here is, is Quade's talent worth the discipline problem? And I'll say this because there's been another thing that's uh, – or, or I should I say argument or conversation that's erupted is um, I think, Bobus, you did the player, player ratings this week and I think you actually gave Bernard Foley what was a point more than – Quade Cooper, yeah. is that right? Unfortunately, I did because I, I got the wrath of a few people in the comments section that thought that um, Quade's two inside pass try assists in the game were exceptionally excellent and the rest of Foley's game was exceptionally poor. So I, I, I accidentally um, went with my own opinion rather than the opinion of the, um, the internet commentator. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I mean, look, I'm sure there's uh, there's lots of argument that can go around. The one thing, though, that we saw yet again, and look, I've been loving a lot of Qu- having Quaid's game, um, having him back. Um, I think he does throw a no-look inside pass um, like no one else. They were sublime uh, to watch. Um, there's some other great things that he was doing around the ground. I think maybe not so much in this game, but in previous ones, we've also seen that his exits uh, and his kicking for touch, uh, I think, is a lot stronger, for example, than Bernard Foley. But the thing that we saw come back in this match was yet another yellow card. Now, what was interesting was that in the comments, we had loads of people jumping to his defense and saying that, uh, you know, he was trying to pull out of the tackle. That's why he didn't use any arms. That the, that the uh, guy that he hit 
dove, and I think that's kind of taken as red. The guy's Argentinian, um, so he obviously made a meal of it. But I don't think it was completely just the dive. Quaid did actually hit the guy, and the guy didn't actually have the ball. Um, so even if he'd tackled him with his arms, it was still tackling a player without the ball. And we saw Scott Co get a yellow card for that. So um, even though I think that was a team infringement, but the thing about this is that this yellow card isn't an isolation. Isn't an isolation. So Quade Cooper has actually now got six yellow cards in his career, and there are only two players in the history of international rugby who have got seven yellow cards. Um, one of those is actually Brian Abana in his 120 tests, and the other one I think is a forward who will come back to me um, in a little in a, in a little bit. One of the Italians. Yes, Bergamasco. So Quade Cooper's managed to get six yellow cards in his thing. But what's really even more interesting is about how recently he's got them. So five of those six yellow cards have come in his last 12 tests, which is quite mind-blowing, thinking that, you know, only, you know, very few other players have got six or seven yellow cards. He's managed to do five in 12, which is absolutely mind-blowing. So that's a yellow card almost every other test. So for those guys who are out there saying, oh, he was ripped off, this was never, never a yellow card, talk to me about the other four or should we say the other five that he's had in his career before we say that this is an isolated event. So the stats say that he is a yellow card liability and in the last 12 games, amazingly so. So that's where this question comes from is, is that discipline problem worth what he brings to the t- to the team? And so having <laughs> drilled into that one, Hugh, I'm going to throw that grenade in your direction to incur the wrath or not. Um, what do you reckon? Oh, look, yeah, it's classic rally. You're just a Quaid hater, mate. Like, come on. <laughs> Coming out with those facts, stats. You know, that sort of thing. Nah, it's all about the vibe, mate. <laughs> um, no, look, I'll answer the question. Look, yeah, his talent is worth the discipline problems. And, and you've just got to back him that it's something that, look, five in the last 12 is damning and, and, and there's no way around that. But um, uh, I, I've got to back him to get better at that. And, and uh, you know, a few of them, have, I, can't, I couldn't tell you what all five were for, but I know a few of them were certainly um, a deliberate sort of foul play acts. And I can remember a few... Uh, certainly a shoulder charge or a late tackle um, being one. And uh, so, look, there's there's issues there. But but ultimately we saw, you know, a pretty typical Quaid sort of game on on, um, on Saturday. And, and I thought he was good. You know, th- those those inside balls were fantastic. He kind of got our attack going. Um, look, defense, though, still issues. Discipline, still issues. I think he's got a way to go. I, I said last week, you know, we want to see him run the ball more and take the ball to the line. He's still not doing that. You know, there was that kick that – was kind of rushed and looked like that classic Quaid just not wanting to get tackled and doing something a little bit silly. Uh, it, it, the, look, it, you're right. The long kicking game is fantastic. The passing's fantastic. It's great to see him back. And, you know, he's certainly got, got a hold on the jersey at the moment. But, um, you know, I, I, there, are, there are elements that can improve. And that discipline, those brain snaps that he has, it's, it's certainly something that we need to see eradicated. Because if he does pick up another one, you know, in the next three, four, five tests, then all of a sudden he's the most, you know, he's, he's the, the worst of all time and, and he's played about half the tests that Brian Habana has. So it's, and, and he's not a back row. He's not like he's giving away, you know, um, team infringement penalties and that sort of thing. So, um, I, yeah, it's, it's almost a problem. I don't think it's yet a problem that needs to be resolved at the selectors table, but, um, mm. we're close, but we're not there yet. Mm. Now, look, I, I, I agree 
that he brings up a lot else. And actually, somebody else in the comments said, look, at the end of the day, you're right. Quaid is, you know, maybe fatally flawed, as is Bernard Foley. But you know what? They're actually our best choices right now. Um, and I have to agree with that. I think both players um, have got big gaps in their games. Um, and, you know, but, you know, show me somebody else who hasn't. Uh, and even those guys who were injured, whether it was Lely Afano or it was Matt Tamua, um, neither of those were kind of those perfect players. Uh, you know, it's not like we've got a Bowden Barrett or a Cruden kind of sat just behind them uh, waiting for his chance right now. Uh, yes, I know there's a big argument about, well, do we get rid of the second playmaker? I guess that's the other track that you go down. But, you know, in looking at our two playmakers, uh, you know, I think they've both got those these problems. And, that, and that's the thing I think anyone who's one of the sort of, I guess you would say, Quaid fanboys has to admit, you know, five in 12, that is unbelievable um, at, at test level. We're not talking about super rugby here. But the thing is, um, you're talking about the style of those yellows, and that's the next level of detail I haven't managed to get into, Hugh. But by memory, by me, it's most of them. I know there is at least two kind of swinging arms. So there was two in the World Cup. Was it, um, there was one against Uruguay, and then I think there was one just before that against Argentina, which was that kind of, I've missed the tackle, I'm going to stick my arm out and hit somebody high. Um, so there was there were two of those, um, you know, and, and then we've seen this sort of this, this sh- shoulder charge, which is something sort of similar. To me, it, it's all tied in with what we still see from him when he's defending. He seems to have this front-on defense, which is just to stand in front of the guy and kind of, you know, kind of just get run into and seems to be his way of hoping to bring someone down rather than getting low or kind of driving in a classic tackle technique. That just doesn't seem to be something he'll do. I don't know if that's him protecting his knee. I don't know if that's what it is. I mean, we know even before he did his knee, his defense was his, wasn't his strong suit. Um, but I don't know if that's connected with also why he doesn't seem to be keen to take it into contact anyway or whether that's just always been some, something that's part of him. But I don't know. Anyway, which way you get to it, I think – uh, the one slight thing I disagree with, it is something that needs to be addressed. Five yellows and 12 tests can't go on. But um, I'm with you that it doesn't necessarily mean dropping, but it just means, guys, we need to get this sorted out. Um, I don't know, Babis, you got anything more to I agree with both of you. And I just think that um, he brings the situations to him. He kind of goes out of his way to find himself in these situations and puts the decision in other people's hands. I mean, he doesn't have to make that hit with the person there. I know that it's just a little bit of physicality that he's trying to exert, but if you um, if you go back to the Falau penalty where he takes the, where Falau gets penalised for holding on to the ball outside of play, mm-hmm. first person in there is um, Quade Cooper, and the first thing he does is shoulder charges one of the guys that's, that's trying to get the ball off Falau in the back, and that causes the whole ruckus. And um, if that had been reviewed properly... Quade Cooper would be the one giving away that penalty for escalating the situation. And no one else is trying to do anything more than either grab the ball or grab another player. But mm-hmm. he's the one that's coming in, coming in with a shoulder. And he's bringing these situations on himself. That could have been a yellow card in the 16th minute of the game. Yeah. Yeah, no, look, okay, so something something's going on there. I, look, on the one hand, we, you know, we like the idea that people are kind of stepping forward and putting some physicality in the game, but yeah, five yellows in 12 tests, um, something has to change. Um, look, before we get into the next question, there's a bit of news that's sort of come in tonight. So yeah, there's this story that's rumbling on. We touched on it about a few podcasts ago, I think, which was the whole, you know, the listening device uh, that was found in the All Blacks team room. Um, it's There's a report here, Sanzar saying that 
there watching intently what's going, what's happening with the ongoing New South Wales um, police investigation, which I think has been rumbling on for almost a month now. Um, now, it wouldn't be a podcast if there wasn't sort of a tinfoil hat moment from me. Um, and that's the one here that if you read through this, it's, it's by Tom Decent in Fairfax. Um, and in his sort of latest report here, he's, he says this, Fairfax Media understands police do not believe the device is as sophisticated as first thought, and they are still exploring the unlikely possibility that the device was planted by someone from within the All Blacks, Blacks camp. Now, I've had somebody, not Tom, come to me who is a uh, prominent journalist and say that quotes like that don't get written down unless someone's been steered towards them, i.e. maybe somebody from New South Wales Police has kind of in um, off-the-record conversations said that they're very interested um, about this. So I think this is going to be an interesting story to watch. If anything, I was, if I was to bet, it'll get swept under the carpet anyway and, even, and we'll never really know what happened. Um, but the question still remains, what were the All Blacks doing for, for those five days um, bet- between discovering the listening device and then finally reporting it on the morning of the match. Um, you got any theories, guys? Hugh, you got any idea what they were doing in that in-between time? Well, look, it's possible. I mean, we got told it was quite a sophisticated listening device um, that they didn't know what it was. I mean, we know, we know technology goes over there at a slower pace and there's still, you know, there's still the VCRs over there and, and uh, they're still rocking the CD Walkmans and that sort of thing. Um, uh, you know, the so maybe it just was a while before they kind of nutted it out. And obviously, one of the players that had spent some time in France or you know the UK or Australia has kind of come and seen it and worked out what it was. Because I think Steve Hansen, uh, you know, from down in the depths of the South Island, there, um, I think that's uh, that might have been something that wasn't particularly familiar to him. Yeah. Well, he's actually an ex-policeman, so um, he was probably carrying out uh, using the classic uh, Kiwi detective uh, methods, uh, which took him five days to be able to figure out if he was going to report it or not. <laughs> Babis, you got any? CSI. You got any uh, theories, CSI Wellington. Yeah. <laughs> you got any theories what they're doing for five days? Oh, I just think um, they were watching the cricket, and it was the first session, and Mark Craig got a wicket, and they just just kept watching and thinking, oh, this this thing that we found when he got a wicket, it's just an it's an amazing um, it's an amazing good luck charm. Let's just keep <laughs> let's keep watching the cricket and see how this pans out. So it was a bit of, it was a bit of technical superstition in there. Um, yeah. Okay, well, look, we're going to open it up to you guys. What do you think the All Blacks were doing uh, for, for those five days? Uh, answers on social media or on the bottom of the post that you'll find this podcast in on the website, Green and Gold Rugby. What do you think uh, they were up to for those five days? But look, um, let's get back to our five questions then. Um, and this is a pretty simple one. So news is obviously that David Pocock has broken his hand. So he broke it, I think, fairly early in that first half and then sort of soldiered on. He was obviously in a lot of pain in the sideline there um, throughout the, the, the second half. He, he's uh, had oper- an operation today, I believe, to, uh, to get it fixed up, but he's out for the rest of the championship. So who replaces him? Uh, Bobus? Um, I think I've been pretty... Clear with this one, I reckon McMahon's the straight eight replacement. Mm-hmm. Um, you put him in, he gives you the extra line-out option, and um, he brings a physicality. I do think that needs to be offset with a little bit more um, ruck presence in number six, but I'll let you mm-hmm. guys work out what I'm hinting at there. Um, <laughs> 
but I do believe McMahon is the straight replacement. And I think that it's worth persisting with Tamani off the bench, giving him a few more minutes rather than going straight back to McCalman, I think, who's recovered from injury in recent, mm-hmm. or even in the last week. I think he had a pretty good NRC game last weekend. So I'd go with the new brigade of McMahon in starting in eight and then Tamani as a cover on the bench. Okay, and then what I'm reading into that is that you'd be bringing back um, Scott Fardy from the, the I'd NRC. I'd be bringing back Fardy to, uh, regardless. Yeah, okay. Um, Hugh, who would you have? I think it could be time for Lepetti Tamani, um, Matt. Um, you know, we, yeah. I'd probably like to see him get some time, more time off the bench and ease into it a bit more, and, and going into South Africa is probably not the ideal place to have a starting debut, but... Um, Look, yeah, I think he he could have a go at number eight. Um, and and I'll give you the caveat that I'm putting Sean McMahon in for Dean Mum at six because you know I I just don't think he he um had a particularly good game. He did you know he was busy but not particularly effective in anything that he did. So um, probably time to shelve him, put him back on the bench. Maybe Scotty Fardy could have a run too. Wouldn't really um. You know, I wouldn't be unhappy to see him there. Ben McCalman's another name that's been floating around too. So um, a few ways they can take it. But, um, yeah, maybe it's, I think maybe Lopetti um, is uh, time. Let's throw him in and see what he does against the box. Yeah, look, I think um, some, some of the stats there around Mum weren't fantastic. Um, was it seven missed tackles? Um, and, you know, was it, was it a couple of different penalties he gave away? There was another stat. Um, that he had there that wasn't um, fantastic um, either. Clearly, he impresses or, you know, Checker knows what he's going to get or maybe it's just, you know, what he's offering at line-out time. Um, and, you know, that's another part of the equation that, um, that, we're, that we're missing there. Uh, look, the, the other bit that's really interesting is, I guess this is the news, it's pretty obvious, you know, you don't have to read between the lines very much is that Scott Fardy's clearly kind of fallen out of favour one way or the other, um, you know, with, you know, the Checker regime. He's even been kind of sent back out to, to you know, to play NRC. So I don't know if this – it'll be very interesting to watch whether this injury to Pocock puts him back in orbit or not and um, opens up his opportunity or whether, you know, we see some sort of um, McMahon, um, you know, Tamani – uh, combination sort of takeover, but um, yeah, it was clear that um, you know McMahon had a barnstorming half. Uh, if he can, you know, be interesting to see if he can do that again and 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 keep it up. Um, alrighty, and so anyone else? But that kind of makes a gap though. Then somewhere for you know for to, to bring someone in, especially if we're going to pack Dean Mum off, um, or whichever way you put it, someone has to come back into orbit. Uh, would you be bringing back Fardy as as well, Hugh, or do you think it's time to have a look at somebody else? Well, look, I said Sean McMahon there. I'd have McMahon six, Lepetti Tamani at eight. But, um, yeah, look, Fardy's deserving of, a, of, a, of something of a return to the camp, I think. He, he was good in the NRC, had, had a great game. So, um, yeah, look, uh, I, I think he's he's by no means past his use by date, Scotty Fardy, and and so um, look, who knows what Michael Check is going to do though? I've, I've given up really trying to predict um, any selections, <laughs> and actually, you know, getting not not wanting to lead into the next question too much, but um, yeah, you know, you never know what what name's going to appear in the squad. Well, okay. Well, in that case, that's I'll I'll, I'll send you your fiver by mail um, for bringing me into the final question that we've got tonight, which is um, who will be the next Wallaby debutant? So I guess 
eyes have been out on, especially on the NRC. We've got some questions about whether Michael Check has been watching much of the NRC because um, there's been some really strong performances, but that hasn't really been translating into people getting any sort of calls ups into into squads, so to speak. But I guess based on what you guys have been seeing, uh, you know, and who you've been watching, which players do you think might get, um, get, get you know, be next those wallaby caps and we had two new caps uh last weekend with tom robertson and the petty tamani hugh who are you kind of backing to to get the next wallaby cap well look you know with michael's michael checker's left field selections i actually haven't ruled out myself um <laughs> i keep keep plugging away i've been a bit ill lately check but um yeah well you'd, you'd be one of the few lock combinations he hasn't tried that's uh, right. That's right. One of, the few in the last few months. one of the few people over six foot in Australia that hasn't got the call up. Um, yeah. Look. So slightly, slightly, I mean, slightly more seriously, who's pressing you? Well, look, I, I've been advocating Sefer Ivalu for a while, and I think he's certainly um, very close to getting a run. There's a bit of a – I mean, we, we've been moaning our shortage of wingers a few weeks ago. Now there seems to be a bit of a backlog with Drew mm. Mitchell there, Henry Spate. Um, and obviously Hodge and Hodge and Haylett Petty, who are doing doing a pretty good job. Um, so yeah, look, look, Sefer Naivalu might might end up getting a run off the bench now. He's become eligible. Um, and the only other guy I think who's been doing pretty well, and and I would uh, you know hope might get a seat on the on the plane, might be John Lance, who I think has been really impressive through mm-hmm. the bulk of 2016, and um, continues to, to look pretty good for a, for a Perth Spirit side that that have chalked up a few wins and had a big win. Um, on um, on Sunday over Queensland Country. So, um, yeah, look, form player, inside back, got all the skills. Um, you know, he's he's one to watch. Just, I'm just trying to remember, has John O'Lance got – he's been in the squad before, hasn't he? Has he actually ever has, – has he, has he managed to rack up a cap? No, no, he hasn't. Okay, no caps. Yeah, all right, cool. Yeah, look, I mean, and I know um, Reg from his deathbed well, – from his deathbed will be gesticulating wildly here um, in, in agreement with you there because um, he's been talking a lot about Lance and I think he was a bit peeved to see that he wasn't up there, especially with the, the darth of playmakers that we've got. I think Lance also actually had one of the best place-kicking records um, at the end of last uh, super season, even though he didn't get to play a whole lot. So you never know. Um, he could find himself in that position. Bobus, who would you have, mate? Who, who, who's your tip? Oh, I would love to see Godwin get a cap. I think um, with with mm. uh, as you said with Hodge looking at like an outside back, I think we need to develop the inside backs. I think that um, Godwin needs a few um, a few curtain raiser games before the Brumbies season next year. So I'd love to see him get out there for the Wallabies and um, and show what he can do because we're really lacking that area. Like if if um, Quade Cooper and Foley have a head clash on the captain's run, and both of them are out. I mean, what a, what a, what team do we end up with? Yeah. No, look, I agree with you. Carl Godwin, geez, you remember those few years ago when he was just like a teenager uh, starting out with the force, and he was electric. Um, we, we, we thought he could be the next Brian O'Driscoll when the force was playing him in 13. Yeah. And then his, his career kind of took a little bit of a plateau, but it seems to be on the rise, much like the Wallabies season. <laughs> well, hopefully then, you know, a bit of tutelage maybe with uh, Bernie Larkham, uh, you know, at, at, at the Brumbies could really help him out there. It'd be great to see him fulfil that potential that we all saw uh, so early on. Um, look, I, as far as my tip, uh, I think 
back to that those, those sort of locking partnerships he's also playing for new south wales country who are sort of top of the table at the moment and nrc and that's ned hannigan who is a lock i think he might have been playing he's been playing a little bit of eight um for, for the country eagles as well um but look i i can see him and hugh cavill being a, a great partnership there and i wouldn't be surprised to see both their blonde flowing locks um, trotting around for the Wallabies uh, some sometime soon, so yeah, I'd, I'd put a bit of a, a tip on him. Um, so yeah, well, it's, it's, I'm I'm, I'm going to need the call up because unlike unlike podcast producing, podcast contributing <laughs> pays zero dollars, and I'm due an overseas holiday at very least, so um, I'm not getting on a plane anytime soon, Matt. Uh, so check um, if anything, I'd, l- I'd love to see um, historic scenic South Africa um, in the next few weeks. It'd be a bit of Pretoria. Um, you, you wouldn't mind a bit of that? Oh, look, I'll take anything at this stage, Matt. Look, while we're speaking about that, just a semi-serious thing, has it just hit everybody else to just how ridiculous this test is in, in London um, as far as, you know, the, the time and the season? So, you know, what, we're going to have this match in Pretoria and then the Wallabies, I don't know if they fly directly there from Pretoria. I guess they do because at least they can go straight north and it's in the similar sort of time zone but um so then the wallabies and the and Argent, so argentina who then play south africa in um you know in uh, sorry no who play new zealand um in argentina so they all then they both then fly up to london play a test match against each other in london the wallabies then fly back to auckland and then argentina hosts south africa um before the uh you know end of year tours start isn't that striking anyone else's kind of lunacy? It's pretty lunacy. It's it's it is it is lunacy. <laughs> Very lunacy. But, yes. but it's good for us. I mean, we get to play Argentina and Twickenham, where there's no laser pointers and whatever else. We probably don't get spat on at the airport or whatever else happens to the Wallabies over there. Right. So yeah. So you think it's a definite. So the only thing you can say out of that is that Argentina is obviously even more desperate for for money than we are. Um, Hugh, I know you're in the sort of so tourism industry, I guess you're probably all over this one, are you, mate? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm the opposite. If we took a buddy test offshore, imagine the outrage. I'd be yeah. screaming from this. Yeah, I'd, I'd be protesting ARU. I mean, Argentina have what? How many home tests a year? And they and they decide to ship one over to the UK of all places. It's mm. absolutely bizarre. And look, they might get eighty thousand, and and it'll probably fill their coffers. So I suppose in this day and age, you can never um you, you can never um worry enough about finances um but still you know they've i'm confident about winning that game now it's one we should as opposed to going into rosario or cordoba or salta or buenos aires where mm. you know that the crowds are pretty vociferous and we've and we've struggled historically i mean you know i'm stoked as a wallaby supporter it means that i can cope with the 24-hour flight home if we're if we're coming home with the, the warm winning glow around us yeah, well, I can't believe that the travel will be even that much more onerous for us, to be honest, um, as it is from flying back from Argentina. That's not exactly a, a short flight, especially if you've been out into one of the, the sticks. So, yeah, I'm not sure how much we're losing. A lot of, hell of a lot of air miles, though. Um, yeah, but it just, it's one of those things where, you know, you hurt, you, you know, we heard it before and you just kind of go through with it. And it's not until it, it hits you in your face, you go, just how nuts is that? But anyway, look, mate. Um, we were just talking about the NRC then. Hugh, give us the wrap, mate. We'll, we won't go through all the scores from last week. People can find that. But 
what does it sort of mean? As far as I'm aware, is it the is it the country eagles who are on top of the log quite easily? Well, they're not quite easily on top of the log. We had our, on on Saturday the the big match of the round, which was the Rays Eagles, the the Sydney Derby. Well, not the Sydney Derby, the New South Wales Derby, City Country. Mm. And, you know, 36-16 was the end score to the Eagles, but it was much closer than the scoreline suggested. And the Rays were probably unlucky not to escape with a win there. And, and um, you know, you're talking potential Wallabies too, another couple putting up their hand in Jake Gordon and Tolu Latu for that countryside. Very, very strong. Sam Ward as well had a great game. And so now country are the only um, undefeated team on top of the log uh, ahead of the Rays. And then you've got um, the uh, Perth Spirit and the UC Vikings, the Canberra Vikings, um, who had a hard win over the over the Western Sydney Rams in tough conditions um, at home, and um, they're, they're up there as well with with the with Spirit, um, who who flogged Queensland Country and Melbourne Rising, um, who had a good win over Brisbane City. So this weekend we've got um, the first two on the Saturday being the the Eagles Spirit, which will be a great game, um, and. The, uh, the the dance of the desperates, uh, Western Sydney Rams against Queensland Country, and mm. so one of those two teams will be chalking up their first win, and then um, on Sunday we've got uh, the the Vikings Rising, which will be another fantastic game at Canberra, and um, finishing off with Brisbane City at home against the Sydney Rays. And uh, look, all, this is probably the closest NRC yet, the highest standard NRC. We're seeing great defence mixed with good attack. It's it's um, certainly. Uh, Something great to be a part of and encourage everyone to get out to the games. Yeah, the, it, it is indeed. And poor Reg, uh, even with Queensland, both Queensland teams really uh, suffering uh, this year, there's been some great footy on show. So get into it. There's plenty of it on Fox Sports. You can stream some of it online and obviously get along and see what games you can. Just to say, uh, the country, I don't know if we haven't done this for a little while, but the country with the lowest unique number of listens this week was India. So if you're listening from India and you're not from that click farm that we've been paying, uh, um, then please um, get in contact. Uh, let us know who you are, why you're listening, and um, what the, yeah, and, and what you love about the show. Otherwise, just remains for me to say thanks very much, guys, for joining. Thanks, Bobus, mate, and um, looking forward to your holiday. Yeah, thanks. Um, I am eight days away, so should be good fun. All right, mate. We'll have a good time. Um, we'll probably see you, I think, from not not next podcast, but the one after. Thanks for you, mate. Sure. Yep, good stuff, Matt. Well done. Reg Reg can probably have another few weeks off. (laughs) Yeah, well, until one of the Queensland teams will win next week, so he'll be back. And um, thanks for everybody for listening and for letting us come in your ears, and we'll um, see you next week. One at the back. Pocock gives it to Gendia. Great Cooper. Inside ball!